You're listening to Jewish Matters with Rabbi Jonathan Feldman. Welcome to the Jewish Matters podcast, and this week's Torah reading is Noah and the Flood. Now, who was Noah? Noah was actually a complex personality. The Torah introduces him that Noah was righteous and pure in his generation. And the implication is that the generation was corrupt. God decided to end humanity because of the violence, the immorality, and Noah would be preserved, Noah and his family, to continue humanity and to reset it in a new direction. Uh, we're also told that Noah walked with God at HaElokim Hitalach Noach, meaning he was a godly man. And we see in the previous Parsha Breshit, there was another figure, Hanoch, who also walked with God. And then it says he was not. He didn't even die a normal death. He was taken by God, so to speak. So we see that Noah had a special righteousness. And he descended from Seth. Remember, we had the terrible fratricide of Cain and Abel. And the Torah describes the line of Cain, uh, who are the ones who corrupted the earth. But Adam and Eve had another son, Seth, and his descendants were righteous, such as Hanoch, Methuselah, who lived uh, the longest of any human being. And uh, God gives the earth a warning. He says, in 120 years, uh, I will destroy the world because of its bad behavior, because of its uh, corruption. And so the warning was given, but people didn't listen. Noah, however, started to build the ark. And after 120 years, uh, the ark is built, the flood comes, the world is destroyed. Now, after Noah comes out of the ark, it says that he planted a vineyard and he got drunk. And it's not clear exactly what happened after that. It appears that he was uncovered in his tent and passed out. And his youngest son, Ham, uh, did not uh, respect him. His youngest son, Ham, did something to deride him. And as a result, Ham's son, Canaan, is cursed by Noah. And but the question is, how could Noah do such a thing? How could Noah debase himself like this? Some people want to suggest that Noah had PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, at seeing the entire world destroyed, seeing all of the destruction around him. And it took a terrible toll upon him. Now, I'd like to offer the other narrative of Noah and perhaps see how it addresses Noah's reaction after the flood. The other narrative is that the rabbis say that saying Noah was righteous in his generation wasn't uh, that despite the corruption of his generation, Noah remained righteous, but it's different. It's Noah was righteous compared to how bad his generation was, but objectively Noah might not have been such a great, great spiritual personality. And we see that as well, because when the floodwaters come, it says a week before God says to Noah, bring all the animals into the ark, start loading up the ark, go into the ark. And it says that Noah only went into the ark before or because of, because of the waters of the flood.
And Rashi says something uh, extraordinarily striking here. Rashi says that Noah was mikatne emuna. He was from amongst those who were lacking in faith. He believed and he didn't believe. In other words, he wasn't totally on board that this is what was going to happen. Nevertheless, he did build the ark. I guess he hedged his bets, but he didn't have true total belief. And uh, this is another, so this is another indication of his not being so objectively great. The third point about Noah is that it says, that Noah walked with God, with God, but Abraham, who will follow in next week's Torah reading, God says, Abraham, who walked before me. What does it mean that Noah only walked with God and Abraham walked before him? So for 120 years when Noah was building the ark, if people came up to him, the rabbis say, and said, what's going on? He said, be wary, clean up your act. The world has to change. Otherwise, destruct, terrible destruction will come. In contrast, Abraham went out and sought other people and sought to share his godly message with them. He sought to turn around the world. He was proactive in saving the world, not just saving himself. And so Noah was only out to save himself, and therefore he was not such a great spiritual personality. Back to our drunkenness of Noah. So... Perhaps one could offer that if Noah had tried to save the world, he would not have been so uh, devastated by the destruction around him. At least he would have known that he had tried to do all he could. And perhaps it's because he didn't do that, that he was so racked perhaps with guilt or at least with the trauma of the destruction around him that he couldn't handle it. And there are stories uh, in the Holocaust, particularly Viktor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning. He says that what kept him alive was his effort to help others, not just to save himself. And there are other survivors who describe this as well. So um, the flood itself, let's talk about the flood. <laughs> the story is a classic one. It's been told before, particularly uh, in a movie, Evan Almighty, in 2007, which is a comedy. By the way, it's the largest budget ever spent on a comedy. Uh, it presents well uh, the derision that Noah was put in as he was building the ark, how he had to stand up to the derision of everyone else. And it's a powerful message of standing up for one's beliefs, even if other people don't believe in them, even if other people deride you for them. Uh, fun movie worth seeing, kind of silly, but uh, in contrast to the 2014 Noah with Russell Crowe, which is a uh, terrible narrative, uh, changes the biblical story, and not a particularly good movie. So, so much for the movies. Um, the story of the flood and the ark is really a story of recreation. The ark, in a sense, is a microcosm of the world with every animal and these human families. And in a sense, it's a re-enactment uh, of Genesis. It's a recreation of the world. 
40 days of rain. 40 is a number of recreation. The Jewish people were in the desert for 40 years. Moses was on Mount Sinai for 40 days. It says 40 days before a child is born, their destiny is set out for them. So there is something about the 40 which uh, is a full reformation of the world. And uh, when Noah uh, comes out to rebuild the world, God says a promise. He says that he sees that all the wickedness, the, the, all the drives of the heart of man are wicked from his youth. Last week we spoke somewhat about this and uh, the Jewish view of humanity. Uh, how do we view the human being? And it's very tragic because if you look at the beginning of Genesis, you see Adam and Eve messing up. You see Cain and Abel fratricide from the first human beings. You see 10 generations and then humanity has totally gone downhill and needs to be uh, restarted. And then we're going to see the Tower of Babylon uh, where society deviates. And so what do we say about human nature? So we say that the Torah's view is that after Adam and Eve ate from the fruit, humanity is in a state of struggle. But they seem to constantly be losing that struggle. Uh, however, God understands that. And it's not that man is bad. He says the thoughts of his heart became bad. In other words, we do have free will, but we have a yetzer, we have a yetzahara, a lower voice, which can lead us in the wrong direction. And so, uh, so God said he would no longer destroy the world, uh, that he's going to take another strategy towards dealing with humanity's mishaps and humanity's mistakes and humanity's uh, really self-destructive uh, direction. And we'll talk about that next week with Abraham, that we'll have a rehab program for the world. We'll start with, an, like Noah in a sense, but an Abraham who went before God and tried to rebuild the world rather than having to destroy it and, uh, and recreate it anew. Abraham will be the hope to rechange the direction of the world. But the rainbow is the symbol of God's promise that the world will no longer be destroyed, that God has to work with humanity because this is our nature. These are our struggles and this is the way God created us. So the rainbow is the hope and, uh, that was placed and the symbol the sign of the hope, that is what we are told. After Noah comes out of the ark, there's also another injunction that he's given, and he says, you now can eat from the animals of the earth. Um, you can eat flesh, eat meat. And what we can derive from this is that Judaism originally viewed humanity as being uh, vegetarians, and that eating meat is in a sense a concession to man's need for uh, not the violence, but for that physicality, uh, which hopefully can be uh, channeled into the eating of meat rather than into uh, a violence towards others. And, um, and Buddy warns, God warns and says, however, the, a human being, that life you are not allowed to take. He re emphasizes the sanctity of human life for Noah and his descendants. 
Now, the final story in this week's Parsha, the story of the Tower of Babel. And this is another tragedy that occurs. Um, the story of Tower of Babel is that it says that humanity was one language and one uh, and unified. So that's a good thing. Uh, however, it says the people got together and said, let us make a name and build a tower to the, all the way up to the heavens. And so here already we see that even though they had unity, they misused it because they wanted to make a name not for God, but for themselves. And this is where human ego comes in and the power of society and the mishaps of society. And so they built a tower. Uh, there are those who want to suggest that it was the, the ziggurats of ancient Babylon and um, that these great towers, the rabbis give a very telling um, midrash. And it was that when they built the tower, if uh, someone fell off with their load and, and was killed in the construction, they would bemoan the bricks that had been lost, not the human life. And so what we're being described is a totalitarian society where everyone has to be the same, one language, one, one model, and where the individual becomes subservient to the whole and ultimately undermining the value of human life. And as we can, uh, uh, can derive from this, uh, the totalitarian model, particularly the former Soviet Union, where it purported to be for all the people, but in the end, the state became more important, the ends became more important than the means, and the state took priority at, to the point of uh, denigrating the value of human life, and human life became cheap, purportedly for the greater good of everyone. And so it ended bad, but everyone points out that this time the world was not destroyed, not just because God promised he wouldn't, but uh, some people say that the promise was only that another flood wouldn't come, some other calamity could have come. But they say that at least in the generation of the Tower of Babylon, humanity people formed a unity. They were looking to get along with each other. They didn't fight with each other per se. Whereas the generation of the flood, there was violence man against man. Uh, even though in the Tower of Babylon there was uh, heresy, uh, building a tower uh, to supplant God, uh, nevertheless, uh, they, uh, because they, got it, they didn't turn against each other, God spared them in a way in which he did not the generation of the flood, almost showing that it's more important for God that we get along as human beings and we treat each other properly, more important even than our faith, than how we treat God, so to speak. But the idea of you know, humanity being the measure of all, the, the towers going up to heavens, and all you have to do is look at our metropolis today and all different cities, where the human being becomes the measure of all. So what did God do? He created, broke up the languages. He dispersed people so that there could no longer be unity. There had to be diversity. And he realized that human beings need to express themselves in different ways. Different peoples need to express themselves 
in different ways, and this would be the new model of humanity. And so next week we will have uh, the new hope, the story of Abraham, a new direction, and this ends the two first sections which really are the profile of humanity in the Torah. And once again, this puzzle, does Judaism has, have a pessimistic view of humanity? Do we have a realistic view of humanity? And what is supposed to be the human's path given our human failings and uh, our human weaknesses? Tune in next week to find out uh, the new direction and the answer to that question. Shabbat Shalom, and I uh, hope this has enriched our understanding of the Parsha and hopefully our Shabbat.